Welcome to Jacked Theology. My name is Dr. Matt Murphy, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Dr. Kevin Young. Good to see you, man. Good to be here. Yeah, it's great to catch up with you once a week in conversation around theology. Yeah, here we go. I've enjoyed being able to kind of dive into this stuff more than 280 characters or or on Facebook. And, And the nice thing is we've got nobody to argue back with us <laughs> when, <laughs> on social media say something everybody's arguing here yeah just just whatever, one way, matt, whatever matt thinks goes <laughs> it's a one-way conversation and you and i tend to agree on most things so uh well it's nice to uh it's nice to hear you know you dive into to whatever the topic is of of the day so you know it's something that you don't get to do in a sermon so it's nice to to have that extra time yeah um so this week, we wanted to dive more into the Christian nationalist conversation and maybe uh, dive into some women in ministry conversation as well. Yeah, which, I, you know, I think those may be, those may be connected. I, I mean, the Christian nationalism thing is a very male-centered, patriarchal, Old Testament kind of ideology. Yeah. And so I, I think there are some connections between Christian nationalism and the way we treat women in religious circles. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, let's yeah, let's dive into that. I, I I tend to agree. I think so. I was just at my pastor's conference for my denomination, and we were addressing this issue of women in ministry. And one fascinating thing I noted, and so. Did you guys not like address that 30 or 40 years ago? Like, what? Well, <laughs> what's, what's going being, on? They're being forced to readdress it, I guess. They, the oh. current statement is only only men you know, can be pastors and ordained. Okay. And there's a groundswell of, of women who uh, want to serve, are serving, uh, that have blended the rules a bit. And so also what I noticed, yes, this past week, is our our district here in the Northeast is very diverse. And so everyone who, who went to the podium to speak and discuss this issue of whether or not to change our constitution to allow women pastors, those that were in support of women pastors, uh, there was a few white men, but mostly it was uh, – culturally diverse people from other countries that were just unfounded that we would not allow women pastors, um, which was fascinating to me. And the only people that stood against women becoming pastors were, were white men. (laughs) Um, and it was very fascinating to me as I, as I noticed that it seems to be that it's, it's, it's a holding on, it's a holding on to patriarchy. It's a holding on to power. It, you're, they're not actually looking at the scriptures anymore. It's, it's just in my mind, as I viewed and saw this discussion happen, it was, it was a holding on to power, which as you started us with that, it's very, that's very connected, I think, to Christian nationalism and this yeah. idea of white male power, uh, so, being perpetuated is it like like older white men younger white men is there any break or is it just white men together that that seem to be holding on uh, to this it was it was mostly older white men that stood up to speak um against women becoming pastors um i offline i know there was younger men that agreed with that maybe just didn't feel comfortable getting up to speak um, in a public setting like that. Um, 
Because with Christian nationalism, I feel like it's being driven more by younger white men, which is interesting. interesting. Yeah. To me, I I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. But I I guess maybe it was a generation of kids that were raised on onward Christian soldiers, you know, marching as to war with the cross of Jesus. going on before I, I i don't know how it goes but you know we're, we're in a war we're in a crusade here uh these christian nationalists are to put god's law into into effect here in the u.s whether <laughs> whether you're a christian or not um well and there was women, a real fear women and heretics and pagans be damned i guess you'll you'll worship god or else yeah and there was a real fear of our president of your denomination was there and he addressed a fear that people had if we changed this policy that the liberals would take over. <laughs> so, okay, setting up the liberals as the straw man bad guy. Uh, yeah. So, who, okay, in your denomination, who who gets to decide? So it sounds like it was like a, a grassroots, you know, swell that brought this subject back up again. But at the end of the day, who gets to make the decision? Well, the, the, you know, the people, it's a, okay. So it's know, a, the people, vote. it's congregational in that vote. sense. Yeah. So he, the president decides what he wants to bring to council and then council will vote on that. So he decided himself that he was not bringing to council that women could be elders in the church or lead pastors. Um, but what he is bringing to council is, uh, can we call a woman pastor, which to me is just kind of, in a facade like you can have the title but none of the power and authority that comes with the title so it was not allowed to come up for a vote on whether or not women could actually be pastors the only thing he would allow to come to a vote was if they could have the title of pastor without any of the authority exactly yeah yeah interesting yeah Which, which you know might be a step in the right direction um but it it still is holding on to that power that only um, men can lead. And and honestly, we we took like a little poll. Um, in only fifty, it was fifty fifty to even be able to call them pastors. Um, and so the tenor of our denomination is very. I it, I, I have a feeling it may not even pass. So um, I think. I'm in a very, you know, I'm in a concert. I hold my ordination in a conservative denomination and I think it's going to remain so. Well, the Um, conservative denominations, I think, are getting more conservative or or there is a move to move more conservative. Uh, I I mean, the Southern Baptists, you know, have been readdressing women and their role in ministry or lack thereof as well. And on their side, it's not being readdressed in order to try to give women a greater role or a greater authority or greater positions to try to remove what they already have. What they already have is what you guys were talking about. Uh, they can give women in most churches the title of minister, but they functionally have to be underneath the authority of a man. They can't hold the, the senior pastor role or, or actual authority in that, but they want to pull that back. A lot of churches do because they feel like it's it's too much. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think this Christian nationalist um, theocracy idea of, you know, moving back to this uh, 
Sharia law for, for Christians in a way, you know, is, um, is, is a movement that's gaining steam and it's being driven in a lot of ways by, by young people, which is fascinating to me. Yeah. I think one of the arguments that came up in this too was, well, those that want to allow women to have authority in the church are just giving into the culture, which is fascinating to me because we're the only culture in our denomination. So our denominations across the world. And the one thing I do like about our, not the one, but one of the things I like about our denomination is when they, they, you know, start churches in a new country, a new culture, they actually allow that culture to, to lead themselves. So it's not like the president in America is the president in Taiwan. You know, there's a, there's a whole nother organizational structure in Taiwan. They can make their own decisions on these things. And we're like the only country that still does not ordain women. (laughs) Really? Every other. And so they're all confused. Like, why is it this way? I think keeping it that way is actually giving into the culture of patriarchy that our Christian nationalists, the Christian nationalist movement is trying to perpetuate this patriarchal male centered, white male centered leadership that uh, if anybody's given into the culture, it's, it's been those who want to hold on to that. I mean, I, I think you look at, I mean, I don't know if we have time here for this to look at the biblical stuff behind it, but like, to me, scripture is pretty clear and especially how the way Paul and Jesus acted that women have an equal role in ministering and leading in the church as, as a man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're you're right. (laughs) There are a lot of shaky theologies out there. The the support for women having equal authority and leadership roles in the church is is not whenever you look at the the whole biblical witness, even even Paul, uh, there's there's really no argument, no valid argument against it. Yeah. you know, the big one that they use against it is the the first Timothy two passage where a lot of the English translations and this is where we get confused and lost as we use the English, the English translation. Rather than, than looking at the Greek, yeah. You know, then looking what at the meaning of the word. So it's first Timothy two twelve, the English translations will will tell you that women should not have authority over a man. But in reality, and our friend Nijay Gupta, and we can link his blog posts on this, uh, argues, and I, not just him, a lot of academics argue that it's Paul's using a very unique word. Like there's a lot of other words. If he was trying to limit women authority, he would have used. He used a very unique word that actually it's 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 talking about a woman shall not dominate over men, meaning. Um, Meaning a woman should not assume authority over men. Like they both have authority, right? So like a church should should not have what we already have with men. Like a church should not just have women being the only leaders in a church. It should be a, a male and, and, and female led environment. Um, and so that's what Paul's talking about. Um, yeah. Well, and, and doesn't that, I mean, doesn't that go back to Genesis too, where, you know, the, the directive essentially says that part of the fall you know, part of the sin that comes in the world is that there will be a power struggle between the male and the female. I, I mean, Paul yeah. is just essentially readdressing that and saying 
things haven't changed. You know, there's still a, a power differential and a power struggle between between the sexes. Yeah. So he was actually making the argument for an equal um, power structure in the church of, between a, a man, men and women. And I think if you look at the church as a family, right? I think you'll find that like in our family, my wife has equal authority over our children as I do. She doesn't have, I'm not the only one with authority, right? <laughs> like, um, that's how I, biblically it's supposed to function that we, that we lead together. Um, and doesn't so doesn't that, I mean, my house is the same way and maybe I'm drawing conclusions that it's not this way in a lot of other houses, but I feel like sometimes men who feel like they don't have the kind of authority and influence and respect at home that they want, go to their church, go to their Bible, go to their job and try to mandate it in other places. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's completely true. Uh, that men tend to usurp authority where they can. And yeah, I think there's a fear that if I think from men, from white men, that if we lose our authority in the church, then we're going to lose our authority ev everywhere. Um, yeah. Which is the Christian nationalism thing, right? Yeah. I mean, again, it's this idea that if we lose our position of priority in some way, then, then what do we have? You know, what, what, what privilege, what privilege will we have, you know, from, from that point forward? And so I, these things are so interconnected, the, the white man position on women in ministry and the white man position on, um, Christian nationalism are, are, are tied together. Yeah. Um, they feel in, in the Christian nationalists they feel a mandate. Um, they feel this like call from God, which is scary. Uh, and I guess maybe what we can address is like, why, why Christian nationalism falls short? Why, why not pursue that? Um, I think probably the biggest reason that I can think of right now is that because it's not really built on the, on the scriptures, it's built on a powerful political platform. Um, Samuel Perry released some data recently that, uh, the more Christian nationalist you are, the more racist you become. And we see that this week with Stephen Wolf, one of the leading, um, anchors, I guess, behind the Christian nationalist movement. Yeah. He kind of was actually from, implying that from nowhere, you know, uh, this, this dude, yeah. Released a new book or about to release a new book. Released Advanced new, copies are yeah. out there. And he's, he implied in that book that, uh, interracial marriages, uh, are not cool, are not biblical, <laughs> right? Yeah. And what, so what start, that's not an absolute sin, but it's a relative sin or, or something, yeah. something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, essentially saying that, you know, interracial marriage globally is not wrong or, but particularly was like choosing the words so precisely to try and make it sound like you're not a racist by saying <laughs> that people shouldn't intermarry. But the point is, or his point was, is that um, groups should stick together. 
you know, that, that groups that are alike, you know, in, in ethnicity and in thinking and religious practice should be, uh, autonomous. They should stick together in order to protect the tribe. And I think that, you know, his theory seems to be that America is a white Christian nation. And so because of that, we have the biblical right to protect white Christian America from being diluted with other races, with other um, ethnicities, with other religious expressions, um, with, with other laws that aren't Christian laws. And so it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating argument that to my ears rings a lot like Hitler and what he wanted in Germany and seems counterproductive to the Bible and scripture, but they're using the Bible and scripture to try to support their argument. So who's right? Like Putin. <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean, like eth all ethnic these, cleansing, right? All these, all of this is very Hitler, Putin, like uh, they were both Christian nationalists, both had the church, uh, both tried to use scripture to, to support their views. Um, both very anti-progressive, anti-liberal. Um, you know, our, our friend Owen, who's now blocked me on the Twitterverse, but I can still stalk you, Owen. Um, he talked about how, and Al Mohler this week was talking about um, that basically, again, that you're sinning if you vote Democrat. Um he he call Owen calls modern democratic ideology a hemlock. Um, it it's not he calls it basically evil. Um, he calls gender confusion pagan. Um, he calls and he says Christian. He, he basically says Christianity and Republican Party are one and the same. I'm, I'm just like scrolling through Owen's tech tweets from this, just the last <laughs> just, couple of days. Just, like, scroll, just scroll the tweets, right? And like, I, dude, but, he, I mean, this is what Christian nationalism, this is this is the danger in Christian nationalism, not just to Christianity, but, but to America as well, is it is an eradication of diversity. It's, it's saying, you know, anything that isn't homogenous, anything that isn't uniform is wrong. And so, you know, people have to begin thinking, well, what is outside, uh, what is diverse? And, and all of the people who are preaching Christian nationalism right now are, are white Christian men. And so if you find yourself as a female, if you find yourself as um, a person of color, if you find yourself uh, as, as being something other than a, than a Christian, not a Christian at all, then you are outside of, you are diverse and diversity is, is not okay. Uniformity, protecting what is America in their minds is, is what it is. And sadly, it has been latched onto by the Make America Great Again movement. A lot of Republicans are, are, latching onto this and conservative people are, are latching onto this because some of the talking points are the same. 
you know, if you have a discomfort with, um, with trans individuals, if you have a discomfort with abortion, if you have a discomfort with uh, other religions than Christianity, if you have a discomfort with, with these things, these are the things that they're talking about. And so you're like, oh, well, these may be my people, except it's toxic, it's dangerous, it's not biblical, it's anti-Christ. Christ has always leveraged the importance of of the other, the neighbor, you know, the, the Samaritan, the person who is different than you. God's kingdom is a beautiful tapestry of diverse fabrics. And Christian nationalism is trying to do the opposite. It is an eradication of a diverse fabric of differences. And it's it, it is being latched onto by well-meaning Christian people, and they don't understand, I think, what they're what they're getting into. Yeah, and it's it's built off of one narrow theological view, and I think they also want us as pastors to fall in line with their theological view uh, as well. That there's not diversity of views that our, our view is the plain reading of scripture, right? This is, this is what it is. And then you miss like what you just said, you miss the love of neighbor, the love, like they're, they're attacking the definition of love right now too, to, to mean being mean, right? We talked about this last week a lot, but they're really attacking this definition of love constantly, love of neighbor, what that means. And they're, they're, they're attacking us who, who preach love of neighbor. Well, if somebody just tells you love of neighbor, they're a liberal Democrat, right? Like yeah. I, I've seen that. Like, what are you talking about? Isn't that what Jesus called us to do? Yeah, well, like, they're weaponizing the fruit of the spirit. You know, they're, they're taking the fruit of the flesh and treating it as though it's the fruit of the spirit. You know, they're saying if you treat people in ways that are, you know, loving, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control. If you act in these ways, you're not acting Christ-like. So they have completely, they've completely flipped the kingdom of God on its head and called good bad and bad good. It's utterly yeah. insane. But so many Christians are, are being wooed by, by this because people who they trust, who have an R after their name, or who have a reverend in front of their name have bought into some of these things and are encouraging them. And well, if somebody I, I trust, you know, is, is says this is okay, then it should be okay. And it's, it's not y'all we are, I, 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 I hate to speak in over the top terms, but we are going to find ourselves in 1930s and 1940s Germany if we aren't already here in the U.S., uh, where the, the church has been utterly corrupted by an evil theology and is already being used at the interracial marriage thing. It's, it's already yeah. being used in order to subvert uh, the love of God for, for neighbor. It's right. It's right in front of you. I mean... I mean, they're, they're, they're not trying to hide it anymore. No, it's, it's easy to see. Um, but we tend to be able to convince ourselves, despite facts, of anything that we want to believe. And so because we want to vote Republican, because we want to be able to trust our, um, our political office holders and pastors, 
we, we continue to hold our nose and vote and it's the wrong thing to do. Yeah, we completely ignore the Bible. What, what they're trying to do is get you to ignore the parts of the Bible that don't line up with their preferred vision of gaining power in America. Um, and so they, you know, they leave out love of stranger, leave out love of the least of these. They leave out, um, you know, love of women. <laughs> they leave out all of these things that Jesus was about and just focuses in on the white, uh, white, the white power. Uh, they, they want to focus this in on, on those things, right? Because the more you marry interracially, the less white people there are. Um, and so that's why they don't want you to do that. Um, and so their, their agenda is clear uh, in, my, in my mind. Uh, their agenda has nothing to do with the Bible. They just use the Bible to gain authority, to gain influence. Um, they try to hide um, the things. So, you know, I got in a conversation with the one Stephen Wolf last night about this topic and he was asking the question of everybody you know well if christian nationalism isn't the way to govern then then how should we govern as christians and uh and and the, the answer i gave him that he responded to so it must have struck a chord was jesus never called us to create a government uh he never create he never asked us to do that probably for the very reason of what we're seeing he asked us what to make disciples. He asked us to love neighbor, to love God. Yeah. Well, he actively refused creating a government. You know, saying yes. the temptation. You know, all of this can be yours. You know. Yes. Guys, like that's not that's not what I'm here to do. Get get me. So what's even what's Stephen say? Steve said, uh, "I love the gospel, brother, but the gospel doesn't create governments. Something like that." Um, and so, yeah, he, he's just sold that we're called, our mandate is to create a government. Um, so I, I don't see it in scripture. I see, yeah, I see Jesus actively resisting creating a government. I see Peter thinking that they're going to create a government and pulls his sword out, right, to fight. And Jesus says, no, that's not why I've come. I see Jesus telling his disciples, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, right? Like, do that thing, but like, that's not what we're called to do. Uh, and so, yeah. So we're uh, we're in the middle of football season, and uh, I know that you are as much a fan of NCAA as as I am. Do you you know where Stephen Wolf's PhD is from, right? No, it's from LSU. <laughs> Tells you all you need to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just. <sighs> I, I read these things and I feel like I'm in an alternate universe. We watched Stranger Things with the kids recently and I mean, Stranger Things, the whole idea is the upside down, that there's this alternate uh, a universe called the upside down. I, 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 I watch this stuff happening and I, and I feel like I'm in an alternate universe that I'm just in the upside down world. I, I do not recognize all of this that Christians are saying I'm like, do you even listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth? And then 
the way the Bible is being leveraged, I, I hear the verses and, and the passages and, and all in the way that they're being used. And I, this is so upside down that they're, I, I cannot, I cannot believe this. This is insanity. Yeah. I I'm in shock as, as well. And, and in shock about who some of the people are that are like going down this road. Um, Germany saw that as well, right? I, I mean, yeah. it, it was it was unusual and rare, you know, that that pastors and, and people stood up to it. it far too many people were were consumed by it because they weren't on guard for it or were unwilling, yeah. you know, to stand up. Many just remained silent, and you know, to me, that is. That's the thing that I keep saying is is the only thing that stops this is for is is for Christians in conservative places politically and theologically to stand up against this madness and say no this is not this is not the gospel um, this is not this is not the kingdom of God this is not the way it works and if people aren't willing to do that silence is well being complicit. I think, yeah, you hit on two things there, but I think one is, I mean, at least Stephen revealed to me in the tweet that he doesn't care about the gospel and all of this. Like for him, it isn't the gospel. It's a mandate from God, but it's not the gospel. Like he, he does definitely distinguish that. Like, well, the gospel isn't, isn't for this thing. This is different, right? Which is fascinating because now you're... I don't know his church history. I, I don't even know if he's... Well, we know that he's working with Al Mohler, right? And getting his MDiv. Oh. Is that supposed to, <laughs> is that supposed to make me think he's more of a Christian or less of a Christian? <laughs> Which side are you arguing here, man? Um, yeah, it, that's fascinating. And then the, the standing up, I think we need to take after Diedrich Bonhoeffer, um, a friend of mine does a lot of study on, is doing a lot of study on Diedrich Bonhoeffer right now. And he told me that Diedrich Bonhoeffer, before he resisted the, the government, he resisted the, in the church. He was passionately fighting against nationalism in the church. And I think as church leaders, if you're out there listening, you've got to find ways to stand up in your church uh, against this. Because no matter what church you're in, it's happening. People are listening to this stuff. They are reading this stuff. They are soaking it up. Um, and to ignore it, I think, is being complicit. Um, you've got to preach against it. Uh, preach, you know, you've got to speak out against it publicly. People need to know where you stand on this issue. Address it head on, in my opinion. Because they, they want you, the Stephen Wolfs, the Owen Strachans, they want you to be silent and just fall in line and let people listen to them, think the way they think, listen to Fox News, because Fox News has these guys on, right, to, to yeah. share this vision for America. Well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to require us to work together, too. I, I think, Matt, your point is well, made, is well made and well taken in that unless progressives and liberals and conservatives Trump lovers, Trump haters, Biden lovers, Biden haters, unless we can set aside differences in the minutia in order to say we can all 
agree and work together in order to stop this. I think I don't know that the church has much of a chance. I don't know that the country has much of a chance unless we can set aside our ridiculous <laughs> foibles and, and differences on secondary things in order to say, yeah, I don't care if you're a flaming conservative or a flaming liberal, I'm still united with you on the fact that what Christian nationalism is, is not the gospel. What Christian national is, is, is not what needs to happen here in the nation. It's, it's completely and the antithesis of, of what Jesus said that the church should be about. We have to link arms with people who are on different sides of the aisle and on different sides of the theological spectrum from us if, if we're going to stop this, which is um, it's going to be difficult because these people are trying to divide us on the basis of whether or not we're a socialist or, or whether or not we're a MAGA or, or whether or not, you know, we're a pro-life uh, abortion person or, or a leftist. And, and they're trying to and have done a great job of dividing up the church on these things and, and getting us to throw stones at each other rather than at who the real enemy is, the real wolves in the camp. The real wolves in the camp are not the people who voted for Trump. The real wolves in the camp are not the people who voted for Biden, at least not on this issue. It's not. Well, yeah, it, I agree completely. We got to have unity. Um, and yeah, it's not about conservative versus liberal or anything like that. It's uh, my agenda is not to get people to. Uh, profess their faith in one political party. I think if we just started with preaching and leading people to give their full allegiance to Jesus, right, and whatever. Well, yeah, back means. to the gospel. I mean, you keep using the yeah. word gospel, and I love that. That's exactly right. People give their allegiance to Jesus. Like, do that. Um, Samuel Perry, he just released some some data where he talked about how the evangelical church is actually not converting people to Christianity, but but to a political party. They have more converts to a political party, which is sad. So what a lot of churches are doing is preaching this Christian nationalist Republican platform, meaning these people that come to, have come to faith know more about the, the Republican platform that, than they did previous than they know about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're being discipled by our politics. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Insane. Like, what are we doing? Why are we not preaching Jesus? I was told recently on the Twitterverse that I was liberal because I talked about Jesus. What? <laughs> like, you know, it's, they're trying to alienate the gospel as not the gospel and that the gospel is this Christian nationalist ideal of, you know, protecting our guns and, and keeping babies alive in the womb. Right? We don't care what happens to them after they, they're born, but let's make sure they're born. So, yeah. yeah and, that, and it, you know, if you're watching this and, you know, this is all Greek to you, this idea of Christian nationalism, a, a very simple Google search will help you begin to understand what, what this is and, and what's going on. Um, but it's something that all of us need to be aware of and understand that, you know, that the basic tenets of Christian nationalism sound good, but are not in any way, shape or form the gospel.
Uh, no. It's, uh, yeah, I think we've hit on some of the negatives. It It's it's more an agenda th- to gain power um, and influence in a world. And an actuary of law, like, it's, it's a scary proposition uh, that that I don't think we've fully thought through or I don't think they fully thought through the implications of of what that might be and how that might treat people that are different um, which is scary and um, yeah our, our boys Dave and Brian they did not take us up on our challenge from last week yeah the uh, the effeminate church right we uh through the gauntlet, threw it out there. You came up with a great, a, a great challenge, and um, I think Brian, Brian blocked. He definitely theology. saw it. He, yeah, he <laughs> saw it because he blocked it. Uh, I'm sure Dale saw it too, but yeah. I guess, I guess they weren't. I guess they they weren't interested in in proving their <laughs> pro- proving their manhood. Their manhood. Right? <laughs> yeah. Backing up, backing up their words, calling other people effeminate. Yeah, it, this, if, is, this is my shocked face, right? Yeah. I'm absolutely shocked that somebody who would call other people effeminate was unwilling to actually put their mouth where their manhood is, or their manhood where their <laughs> mouth. I probably shouldn't use that phrase at all. Mouth and manhood in the same sentence yeah, yeah. It probably doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it conjures it conjures the wrong images. Uh, I mean, two effeminate men here for you. Yep. To, uh, yep. We, we got called effeminate pastors, so we we love people, so we're effeminate. Yeah, the upside down thing that is the church. Uh, um, oh man, what what are what are we doing? I mean, what but, idiocy has taken? hold of the church where loving people is 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 being effeminate if if their tweets on that stuff doesn't prove dumez right about jesus and john wayne it's like it just completely proves her her thesis dumez is laughing all the way to the bank (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny I don't understand this. Uh, well, if you don't, if you're not a strong man, then you won't have strong men in your church. What does even that mean? I don't. I think they just make things up now. <laughs> uh, it's this. I. It all ties. I mean, it all ties in together, though, right? I mean, this Christian nationalism idea, this this patriarchy, this military perception, you know, of every, of rank and the home and the nation and Christian men should be at the top of the rank. And that's, that's masculine. That's being a man. That's what Jesus was, was (laughs) you're an idiot. (laughs) You're a fool. Shut up. (laughs) What are you, what? Come on. Come on. You got, oh, you got, you got beat up way too much in middle school and now you're just taking it out on us. Yeah. You, I mean, yeah, they're very insecure. It's obvious. 
Um, Insecure. Yeah, one of the things I've noticed too with this is they, um, and we've talked about the racism issue is I have noticed a lot of the, and they did it for a while with CRT and they still, I still see it come up where, you know, anytime anyone addresses racism, they push that down, right? They, racism doesn't exist. It's a fabrication. Actually, by you saying there's racism, you're being a racist. Um, because they don't want to address the ways in which the systems benefit them as a white man over others who are not white. I think that shouldn't be lost on this. This is a, a, a structure and a system being created to to put down uh, other races, to keep them at arm's length, at bay. Um, and so I, I'm seeing from these guys, too, constant tweeting and t- discussion about that um, and how any – addressing of racial issues is evil so uh, to me that just smells to high heaven as something that you need to stay away from um yeah it's well it's darvo you know deny attack reverse victim and offender you know say say you're you're the one who's a racist not not me just just look at every person who espouses christian nationalism and it's a white man and and tell me tell me that Christian nationalism is is something that is is healthy and something that's good, when every single person who who is proclaiming it and shouting it is the worst examples of white men that there are. Mm-hmm. Women, you got to stand up. <laughs> Non-white people of color, you got to stand up, and uh, I I will I will be a white man who will stand alongside you and say this is. This is this has got to stop. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're going back to the '60s. We're going back to the 1860s with with what we're doing with racism and and the subjugation and and subversion of women. Um, it's it's disgusting. Yeah, they want to go back to the foundation of America when. Yeah, well, they say that, right? We, we want to go yeah. back to the past. Well, we know what past you're talking about. <laughs> the past where the women were at home, barefoot and pregnant, cooking you dinner. The past where, you know, the people of color were out working in the fields. A past where nobody questioned your authority. Where where black people's vote were three-fifths or, or three-fifths of individuals. They didn't have, even have the right yeah, to vote. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you say make America great again, we know what America you want to bring back. Yeah. And you're not denying it. I mean, they're not denying it. They have no, they're just, their argument is trying to show how it's biblical, that way of living. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, well, it is. And, and we don't know enough of our Bibles to know it's, that we're, that it's we're in there too. plain and clear plain and clear the bible clearly says <laughs> oh yeah yeah sure <laughs> are you sure are you sure about that do you really want to go there with me i saw that uh, meme the other day where a guy is showing like the original text of Matthew, the original. Like, yeah, it was like Matthew seven, yeah. <laughs> to, the, to the yeah, to, to the it's people all, who say the Bible clearly says. Yeah, uh, it's all tattered and there's some hole, there's some holes in your argument. <laughs> <The Bible clearly laughs> <says>. <laughs> 
<laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. Literally is the whole Idiots. Who do you think you are? <laughs> yeah, there was a guy yesterday that was talking about how women shouldn't be pastors. He says, guys, this is really simple. We just need to read our Bibles and you'll see that women should not have authority over a man. And he just walks away. I'm like, what? All right, just read our Bibles and that solves it. Got it. Yeah, I don't I don't want to undermine anybody's foundations of the Bible, but do if you're gonna do your research on something, do your research on how the Bible came to be and the textual translation and some of those words and things you, you, uh, and Jesus didn't drop it out of the sky in English. Oh, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's a little, it's a wee bit more complicated than that. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, us, uh, women pastor supporters are, are not just, pulling this out of out of the air because we like women uh, we 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 did our research we looked at the bible we, we think the bible is an authority so yeah and we think that it's saying women should be pastors just as men men are uh, so, yeah so i mean matt there are there there are a lot of really smart people obviously in, in your denomination really wise people they know these texts. They can read Greek. They understand the cultural situation with Phoebe and with Janaya and with Mary Magdalene. You know, and, and with the what do I, I mean? Are they do they just completely ignore it and discount it? Have they convinced themselves that that these things aren't aren't there? Like, how do you how, for a, how does a very smart individual who understands scripture? I, ignore so much. Yeah, they they ignore all of it because of the Timothy passage. I mean, I I think that's the. Um, so they're holding on to one passage. That's the deal breaker, and their and their interpretation of authority, in that, the way Paul used that word. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't think many of them have done their research on on it. Oh, so they avoiding avoiding it because. They know what they might find. Yeah, they, they see a they see their English translation, the ESV, and I see I see that a lot. The the proverbial ostrich head in the sand mentality, where I understand that I'm probably wrong on this issue, or there's a good chance that I'm not as right as I think I am. So rather than actually figure out where the truth is, I'm going to avoid any discovery process on the topic yeah. so that I can continue to have plausible deniability. Yeah. 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 I don't understand too. Like when you look, when you do just basic, even just English exegetical work, you have to look at what Paul says or anybody says in the context of everything they've written and done. Right. So even when you take that text, if you take it in the purest English sense of 
anti-women, you have to come to grips with how Paul actually used women, right? He actually sent women to preach. He sent women to start and lead churches. He called women elders. And we, we uh, then see this one verse and we throw all of that out, what he actually did. Like, I, it doesn't jive with me um, as a, a, someone who, who wants to study the scriptures. So, like, I don't understand how they I, I've, I see how they do it, but I don't understand how you could honestly make it a presentation without addressing that, like and finding some sort of compromise in, in your beliefs. Well, I think we come to the Bible too oftentimes with our beliefs. I come to the Bible and I say, I believe this. Now I need the Bible to confirm that. And so there's so much confirmation bias. It happens it happens with pastors. Um, it happens with theologians. It happens with people with doctorates as well, where we will, we will not allow a fair reading of the entirety of the text and the weight of the biblical sweep because it's its implications may be too difficult to accept when it comes to inclusion or exclusion, when it comes to you know, women's involvement, when it comes to, to race, when it comes to the treatment of Muslims, when it comes to whether or not we should be a, a Christian nation and, and what that should look like. All, all of these things I have a bias on and I bring that to scripture and I, and I force the scripture to say what it wants to me rather than allow the scripture to to instruct and teach me and, and we preach that but we don't often do it unfortunately and it's um <laughs> jesus talked about that a lot with the religious mm -hmm. leaders